You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DNB Supply Show. Hey, this is your host, Matt Breckwald. Thank you very much for joining us here again today. Well, today we get to do a really informative episode all about cattle health, vaccinations, even fly control, although that season's pretty much come to a close in terms of what we can do about it. But just want to help everybody kind of get that on their mind and get set for next spring when it comes to fly control in their cattle, as well as other parasites and the vaccinations that should be done, you know, here over the next 30 days. 45 days as we're getting ready to wean and ship cattle. So for all of us out there with those wonderful bovines that we love to raise, that uh, we're getting ready to wean off of their mothers, we're getting ready to ship. A lot of great advice coming to us today from Gene Claft, uh, who works for Merck and uh, in their animal health division. And really, really great information today on some different programs you can get involved in different methods of treatment and what we should be looking out for in our cattle herd. So we'll have that coming up to you here in just a moment. Gene, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. You know, I always like to talk cattle, anything to do with cattle. And uh, so I'm always excited for these conversations and and really looking forward to it. I wonder if we might start off just by kind of having you introduce yourself to the audience. Tell us a little bit about you, your history, what you do and, and all of that. Okay. My name is Gene Claft, and I'm a senior territory manager with Merck Animal Health. Merck Animal Health is a large company. We manufacture uh, basically vaccines and pharmaceuticals for all types of animals. I work on the cattle side, and uh, I'm a graduate of Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, grew up in the livestock industry, spent most of my time growing up in in the livestock market business and running your lanes and um, just uh, got involved in the animal health business a little over 25 years ago and really enjoy it. Well, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo is a wonderful place to learn about agriculture. Yeah, it's uh, one of those learn by doing schools. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's a great campus. And uh, I did not go there, but I went down there and spoke a couple years ago and uh, really enjoyed my time in San Luis Obispo. It's a pretty cool spot. Yeah. So now you've been doing this for 25 years. What brought you into this industry? Well, I've always had an interest in animal health. Working for a guy who ran a lot of yearling cattle, um, we were always running cattle through the chute, giving vaccines and giving them different shots. And I was always reading the labels, wondering what I wanted to know what we were doing, what we were trying to accomplish. And I just got really interested in animal health and kind of pursued a career in it and been in it, like I said, a little over 25 years and really enjoy it. Well, as you know, our audience, we've got a we've got a wide range of people listening. We've got people that are running some significant, you know, big time ranches in southern Idaho and eastern Oregon, uh, all the way down to folks like me who are running a small herd of cattle and have a niche or some way that they're they're marketing them. So we're kind of talking to everybody today. But let's start off. I, I wanted to ask you this because I've been getting some questions on this. And uh, I know we're late in the season, but I wanted to get it confirmed from an expert. So fly control. Let's start with fly control really quick. When it comes to actually controlling flies on our cattle, we're pretty late in the season or actually we're past our prime opportunity to do that, right? Right. We want to get started before the flies get started so we can get a jump on it. So any control measures that we want to take, like with fly tags and a lot of guys like to um, feed put something in uh, feed. There's a lot of good products out there you can put to uh, insect growth regulators and things like that. Those need to be started before the, the flies really 
start getting up in numbers. Mm-hmm. And I know uh, here in Idaho, it's really hard to estimate or predict when that's going to happen. But probably in this part of the world, April is a good time to really get going on it. So, yeah, we've kind of missed the window, but there still are some things that guys can do if they're having a tough time with flies. So at this point in the year, are we just talking about sprays? Are we talking about dust? What are we talking about? So sprays and dust are good. If you don't have facilities where you can run cattle through a chute, if you've got a, just some corrals or pens or something, you can put cattle in and, and spray them as a group. There's a lot of good products out there for that. Dust bags are good. You can hang those like in a gateway where the cattle come in and out to go to water mm-hmm. and put them places where the cattle are actually forced to use them back rubbers that uh, have like an oil-based oil or diesel oil with some insecticide in it, those are are pretty effective too. Now, while I've got you, I want to take the opportunity to just kind of reinforce this for folks out there who maybe don't have a fly control program in the spring. We're going into the fall already, late summer, early fall, and we want people to put this on their agenda for next spring. So I guess my question for you about this is, how are flies impacting the performance of your cattle? Well, if you ever go drive by a pasture with a bunch of cattle in it and the flies are really bad, you see the tails going just constantly. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the cattle are running around trying to get away from the flies or they'll actually lay down. And somebody told me the other day they saw some cattle that had so many flies on them, they were laying down and rolling. And you know, you'll see bulls and cows kicking up dirt on their back. All that is time spent away from grazing. And it's a lot of stress on them and they just will will not gain perform especially the calves you want them gaining all the time and the flies just kind of put a halt to that so they're not on feet as much and uh, they're stressed so they're probably metabolizing more and putting on less poundage right right yeah it's just like if you were running all the time and didn't have time to eat you'd you'd shrink a little bit oh man that's an idea that's what i've got to do okay all right well so that's good so in the spring when spring's rolling around uh in addition to the the stuff you already mentioned what else should we be doing to control for flies when you're handling the cattle in the spring before you turn them out for summer grazing i prefer to use fly tags and when i'm putting the tags in i will pour the cattle with a good pour on insecticide Mm -hmm. and what that does is it knocks those fly populations down most of the good ones will last oh anywhere from three to six weeks and you'll give those tags a good head start if you read the box of tags they're going to tell you they'll last up to five months Mm -hmm. if you don't give them a chance to get generating and if you're already behind the eight ball and the cattle are covered with flies, you're not going to get that kind of control out of them. Okay. So a pour on, and then uh, at the same time, you put the fly tags in and follow the label directions on the tags. Most of the tags say two tags per animal, and if you can do that, I know a lot of guys have their management tags in one ear, and they don't want to have too many tags in these cattle, but if you can possibly stick to the label directions, you're going to get better results. And how do those ear tags work? Well, they're impregnated with an insecticide, and the cattle, when they lick themselves, and they'll rub the tags kind of on their sides, and, Mm -hmm. and, um, and they keep the flies away from the head. So it's a little bit of the tags rubbing on the animal when they, you know, reach back and lick, and then, uh, just the fact that they're right, you're hanging them right on their head and the ears, then you'll get good control on, around the face. And obviously, uh, we're thrilled to have you on. Does Merck have a line of products to, to deal with flies in the spring? Yeah, we've got um, some fly tags. We do have a good insecticide line. Probably my favorite insecticide of ours is Ultra Boss. 
it's a low dose, long lasting insecticide that you just pour on cattle. And the the other nice thing about it is it's labeled for horses too. So if you got some horses around, I use it on my horses and I get generally about a month out of it. Okay. And what I'll do is I'll just spray them with a fly spray and then put the, the Ultra Boss on them, get the flies kind of knocked off them and then put the pour on on them and it lasts quite a long time when i do that all right well thanks for taking the time to talk about flies really quick like i said it's been a question i've been getting and i know it's late in the season so we're looking for what we can do right now but what we need to be doing next year to be a little bit you know ahead of the uh, ahead of the curve on that let's take our first break and then when we come back i want to talk about fall vaccinations and what we need to be getting prepped for right now sounds good when it comes to legendary performance only a few chainsaws make the cut like the Husqvarna lineup, available at DNB. Years of razor-sharp research led to many of Husqvarna's breakthrough technologies, including anti-vibration dampeners to reduce the impact on your arms and hands, plus a combined choke and stop control that makes the chainsaw easier to start. When you have your work cut out for you, get her done with a Husqvarna. Pick one up at your favorite DNB supply. You wear jeans, but you live in Levi's. At D&B Supply, we've got a pair to fit you just right. Iconic and hardworking, Levi's are legendary. Worn by cowboys, rock stars, and everyday people, we carry different washes, styles, and sizes for both men and women. These jeans are ready for anything your day brings, from working outside to a night on the town. The denim legacy lives on every time you put them on. So pick up some Levi's at D&B. Well, Gene, now that we're back, let's get down to what's going on right now. So here we are. This episode's coming out, you know, mid-August. We're going to be moving into September soon. So what should folks be dealing with right now in terms of the health of their calves, their cows, all of that? So right now, guys ought to be thinking about what they're going to be doing when it's time to bring the cows and calves in and get them ready if you're going to ship your calves or wean them. What practices are we going to do there? What's going to from a health standpoint, what's going to be the best thing to do? And also from a profit standpoint, mm-hmm. what's going to get us the most money for our calves? So uh, in terms of, of vaccinations, what should, what should we be planning for? If you vaccinated your calves in the spring when you branded them, that's a good start. Hopefully you used a good clostridial eight-way or seven-way. Most guys are using eight-way. And you used a good respiratory vaccine that, that will fight pneumonias. Mm-hmm. Whatever we used in the spring, we we definitely want a booster. If we didn't get the respiratory shots in them and they came through the summer pretty good, it's time to start thinking about maybe doing that. I always like to recommend that folks precondition their calves. Preconditioning or pre-weaning vaccinations are, are generally pretty easy to do. If you've got the cattle where you can work them, all we're talking about is bringing them in, sorting the calves off the cows, and then giving the calves a, uh, a boosters or or maybe their first respiratory shot, mm-hmm. you can also give them a booster of that clostridial vaccine, your eight-way. If you can get that respiratory shot in them, and then you put them back on the cows. So we really didn't stress those calves by having them off the cow very long. We just long enough to vaccinate them, put them back with the cow. The absence of stress is going to allow that vaccine to do a good job. If we've been out all summer on pretty good grass, the other thing I would do is is think about parasite control and, and do a good job of deworming those calves because that's just going to help your vaccines work better. Then when you bring those calves back in two to four weeks, you're going to do one of two things. You're going to keep them home and wean them, or you're going to 
send them to you know your buyer or take them to the sale, they're going to have a head start because you vaccinated them already before you've taken them off the cow. Now, what we're talking about, when you're talking about preconditioning, you're talking about getting everything ready to go, letting the vaccines have a chance to work before you put that stress on those calves at weaning. Right. Yeah. Taking a calf off its mother permanently is probably the highest stress situation that calf is going to have in its lifetime. And stress prevents a lot of things. It prevents our vaccines from working. And if we're spending money on good vaccines, we want them to work. So preconditioning has proven itself over over the years because we don't stress these animals. Mm -hmm. We don't put a lot of stress on these calves. You just take them off the cows long enough to vaccinate them, put them back, and and they go back out where they were. And uh, generally, most vaccines... If we're using a modified live, which we recommend, um, those vaccines, will you'll have pretty good protection levels in about two weeks. Well, I'll tell you what, let's take another quick break. And when we come back, I got a few more questions about vaccinating in the fall, weaning, all of that, how it goes together. Okay. Things are heating up around here at DNB. You'll see why when you check out our wide selection of high-performance stoves from Harman, Quadrifier, and Heat-A-Later EcoChoice. These classic pellet and wood-burning stoves light up your hearth and home. They give you even heat and easy maintenance with craftsmanship that stands the test of time and really stands out. So swing on by D&B Supply and see how Harman, Quadrifier, and Heatilator EcoChoice stoves can warm up your home. Carhartt makes gear to get you through anything. So D&B Supply offers a wide selection to outfit any day, any task, and any weather. Built to stand the test of time and have your back no matter what comes your way. Carhartt clothing keeps you comfortable all day long. And for extra hard jobs, check out Carhartt Force, the line that wicks sweat, fights odors, releases stains, and works as hard as you do to outlast them all. Get decked out in Carhartt at DNB. All right, Gene. Well, let's. I want to continue talking about weaning and vaccinating and all of that right now. So I want to come back to the stress, the stress issue. So let's start with the immune system and then we'll, we'll kind of move towards how it impacts vaccines. But what does stress do to the immune system of these calves when you, when you wean them? So stress can come from a lot of different things. Aggressive handling, if, if we're you know, running these cattle you know, out of the pastures and through our facilities and not taking our time and working them you know, at a nice, slow, comfortable pace, mm-hmm. their stress level goes up. There's a chemical in the body called cortisol, and the cortisol levels go up, and that directly interferes with the immune system. And these cattle that are under high stress just can't respond to these vaccines. So we go out and we spend money at buying good premium vaccines, and then we don't take the time to handle these cattle right, and we we don't get the benefit out of the vaccines that we paid for. So Stress is caused by a lot of different things, and it causes a lot of problems. Another form of stress that we see in cattle that interferes with with our vaccination efforts are parasites, internal parasites like stomach and intestinal worms. So if you're already stressing the calf out, then you're already kind of, you're giving the the vaccines a disadvantage because their immune system's already working overtime to deal with with the stress. Yeah, or, or the cortisol's interfering with it. And and that's kind of an acute thing. That's just something that we're doing at that time. So we have control over that. We can take our time with these cattle. We can avoid working them on a hot day. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we've just got hot weather, like we always have in the summers in Idaho, we can 
try to work these cattle in the morning or later in the day when it's cooler. If you got nice shady facilities, it always helps. But just anything we can do, slow down. Don't make a lot of noise when you're working these cattle. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was growing up, I there was an old cowboy and he always used to, he'd put his hand on your shoulder and he'd say, son, slow is fast. <laughs> slow down with these cattle. Let them do at their pace. You'll be done a lot quicker than if you go keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that just goes along with the stress. I mean, we, I've been to a lot of low stress cattle handling seminars and talked to a lot of guys like Tom Singer and Kurt Pate. And they all stress that <laughs> stress, they all, they all do really believe that if we stress these cattle, we're not going to get the benefit out of our mm-hmm. vaccines. You know, it's interesting you bring up the low stress handling. So I first started working with cattle when I was about 16. So 19, late 80s, early 90s. And it was on my stepdad and step-grandfather's place. And uh, they didn't like me working around those cows. But I was, I was exactly what you were talking about. I was uh, high energy, thinking I had to yell and wave my hands and all this type of stuff. And it's only taken me a good 30 years to figure it out. But it is a lot more pleasurable and it creates for a lot less stressful of a day when you can use those kind of softer, quieter techniques to move those cows and those calves around. You bet. And you're not as tired as well. <laughs> it's it's good for everybody. And you know, what's funny is you're not as tired and you're not as uh, angry with the cattle. And I used to think, man, those cows can frustrate me. Now I realize, okay, I was doing it to myself. Yeah. We sometimes trigger that. <laughs> well, we talked earlier off the air about kind of two different ways people are doing it at this time of year when it comes to weaning. Some people are weaning right onto the truck. They're shipping right off of their place and that's when they're weaning. But other people are weaning cattle at home and they're dealing with these stress issues and those calves that have just been weaned at their place, at their farm, at their ranch. What are some tricks for people to kind of reduce that stress once they do separate that calf from its mother? So the thing about weaning calves is you got to be set up for it. And, you know, guys that have done it for years are good at it. If it's something new to you, you really need to investigate it. Talk to guys that are doing it because you go from being a cattle raiser or a cattleman to a cattle feeder. And not every cattleman's cut out to be a cattle feeder. Cattle mm-hmm. feeders deal with a lot different things than we do. As cattlemen, you got to have a good good feed so you got good nutrition for these calves. You got to have the right amount of labor. Not too much labor that costs you a lot, but you got to have enough to get the job done every day because those cattle got to be fed at the same time every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got to be able to spot calves that are starting to get sick so that you can doctor them before it gets too far along. Sure. So there's quite a few things to consider. And I would always recommend anybody that's going to keep calves home and wean them to 45 to 60 days to really do that preconditioning shot where we hit those calves with a good round of shots two to four weeks before we pull them off the cow. Well, Gene, let's take another quick break, and then when we come back, we'll continue talking all about the health of our cattle. At D&B Supply, we believe happiness comes from the inside out, especially when it comes to our pets. So give them Hill Science Diet for many happy wags and purrs. Using only high-quality ingredients, Hill Science Diet is expertly crafted for lifelong health. With formulas for every age, size, and special nutritional requirements, from joint care, oral health, and weight management, it's the number one choice of vets to feed their pets. Keep your pet happy-go-lucky and pick up Hill Science Diet at D&B. 
We love George Strait for more than his music. After 56 number one singles, George is still a family man and a real cowboy. That's why we love him, and that's why he wears nothing but Wrangler. The George Strait Cowboy Cut Collection by Wrangler has a huge selection of styles a cowboy can be comfortable wearing anywhere. So head to your favorite D&B supply and try the George Strait Cowboy Cut Collection by Wrangler. Long live cowboys. All right, Gene. Well, now that we're back, let's continue this discussion. Now, everything you're talking about, we're talking about uh, additional labor. We're talking about additional vaccinations and shots. Let's talk about the return on your investment when you do this. So where, how does this come out on the bottom line? So I can give you some numbers. At Merck Animal Health, we work close with Superior Livestock Auction, and we have our own cat vaccination protocols. We call it PrimeVac. And uh, this is uh, what Superior uses. They have their own VAC program. And then um, if you watch any of the sales, you'll see a lot of calves come through with a PrimeVac logo on the screen when they're selling them. Mm -hmm. I think this year we have somewhere between 80 and 90,000 PrimeVac calves already consigned to the summer sales. So getting back to the numbers of it, Superior provides us with their data. Each year we get the data on various classes of cattle and we can look at cattle that are on vac programs versus cattle that aren't we can look at cattle for instance that have been implanted versus cattle that haven't been implanted there's a a big thought in the industry that you shouldn't implant these calves on the ranch they'll bring more money we have data from superior that kind of shows that that's not true anymore but getting back to the vac programs in our prime vac program we have the VAC 34 and the VAC 34 premium. VAC 34 premium is is the one that you would precondition your calves, and then when you take them off the cow, they they go to the buyer or go to the sale. Mm -hmm. And then the VAC 45 and VAC 45 premium would be the ones where you're weaning the calves. So they're getting three rounds of shots. They're getting um, their branding shots. They're getting a preconditioning shot, and then getting another set of shots when you bring them in to wean them. So Using Superior's data over the last few years, this is versus just a VAC 24, which is a branding shot, set of shots at branding, and then that's the last time they get any shots. The VAC 34, which is your branding and preconditioning shots, that pays you about $25 a head over the VAC 24s. And then looking at the VAC 45 and VAC 45 premium on these wing calves, that's actually paying about $55 a head over just giving shots wow. at branding time. Okay. So it pays if you can do it. If you can't wean them, I still recommend preconditioning because your buyers will love those calves if they've got some integrity with vaccines. When you're talking about these dollar figures and it's paying you, we're talking about it's paying you in terms of average daily gain, weaning weights when you wean them off because you're selling them by the pound. Well, those figures are just sale price figures. So Okay. So if, if you if you watch the sales and you see the VAC 24 calves go through and they're the ones that just got their shots at branding, you mm-hmm. know, they'll they'll bring a given price and then the 34s and the 45s will be, you know, 25 and 55 dollars per head higher respectively. Interesting. So what we're talking about then, we're talking about a video auction. Now, I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, but here's what I'm hearing. We're talking about a video auction and when a buyer is out there watching the auction, they see these calves come on the screen and then the VAC 24, the VAC 34 comes up on the screen and they're actually paying more for that lot and about on an average of 25 to 55 per calf more because they know that vaccination program's been followed. Right, right. 
the buyers on those video sales will get catalogs ahead of time. Okay. They'll sit there and mark which sets or which lots of cattle they're going to bid on. And um, if they're looking for calves that are, you know, got a, a VAC program, a 34 or 45, mm-hmm. you know, they'll go ahead and identify those lots. There's some other factors that go into whether or not they're interested, like the delivery dates and things mm-hmm. like that. But they're prepared to pay more. And okay. and these numbers come from the video sale. That's not to say that if you take them to, you know, Treasure Valley or right. the sale barn in Emmett, that the same thing's not going to happen. These are this is just where we get our data from from right. a video sale. Superior sells, oh, it's it's over a million head a year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, these are pretty powerful numbers. Yeah, you got a good population there to get these numbers from. But if you go to Treasure Valley, you go to Emmett or or any other auctions in our listening audience, the auctioneer they can certainly let everybody know that the this lot of calves has gone through. Yeah, the- yeah, I know the guys up at Emmett do a good job of advertising ahead of time. And I'm sure, you know, some of the other sale barns do too. It seems like I see a lot more from the guys at Emmett. They're they're really trying to promote, get mm-hmm. the word out, hey, we've got these calves coming in and they're mm-hmm. they're gonna be preconditioned or they're gonna be weaned and they're gonna you know, they're gonna have these shots. They'll have they won't just say they got their shots. They'll tell you <laughs> they'll have good records of what they have. And so okay. th- those buyers love that because if they've got calves that, that have been well vaccinated and on a good parasite control program and, and come from a, a ranch that has a reputation, they're going to pay top of the market for them. Well, let's take our last break. When we come back, let's talk about parasite control. Sounds good. Are you ready for a steal? Then stop by D&B to pick up steel power tools. German engineered, these power players offer quality that never quits. Like the Steel MS-271 Farm Boss Chainsaw, available for just $429.95 with a 20-inch bar and chain. Show your project list who's boss and leave it in your sawdust. With legendary chainsaws, dependable trimmers, forceful blowers, and epic tools of the trade, steel powers through anything. Grab a steel at your favorite D&B supply. You work hard, you play hard, and you wear burn. Durable clothing that fits the bill no matter what you're up to. Available at your favorite D&B. Since 1915, Burn has supplied busy Americans with workwear made right, made affordable, and made to get to work. Whether you're earning a living or just living large, Burn clothing is rugged, comfortable, and perfect for the whole family. Pick up Burn gear at D&B Supply and be ready for wherever life takes you. All right, Gene. Well, let's talk about parasites really quick. And, you know, I guess let's talk about the first thing. When can you control for parasites? Is that all throughout the entire growing season or is there a specific time you should be doing it? Well, traditionally, most producers are used to controlling parasites when they have the cattle, you know, in the chute, in the corrals. And um, because they're they're used to putting something on or in the animal, either, you know, a pour on or oral dewormer or an injectable dewormer, that's always a good time to do it. But say we worm cattle in the spring before we turn them out for summer grazing, we may or may not get them cleaned out depending on what product we use. And then they're going to go out throughout the summer and be picking up parasites all summer long. Mm -hmm. And so we've done the best we can we think because you know we got them clean when they're going out to grazing but 
generally, especially in a lot of irrigated situations, you go into some of these mountain valley pastures where you've got good irrigation water, those pastures are pretty wormy. And so mm-hmm. it doesn't take long for those cattle to pick up some pretty significant parasite infections. Now, there are some things you can put out in mineral, oral application blocks, and things like that to control them throughout the year, right? Yeah, our dewormer product is Safeguard, and most people know Safeguard as an oral drench. We do have it in an oral drench, and it's available in a paste. It is very highly effective. It's got great efficacy. Where we see some of the porons and injectables, the efficacy is going down in those products. The Safeguard products are still up around you know, 98 to 100% efficacy. But the Safeguard molecule is also available in a lot of feed-through forms. Um, there's products that you can blend into your mineral at home. There are a couple of companies that are manufacturing prepackaged mineral with Safeguard in it. So when you're in out in summer grazing, most producers like to provide a mineral package for their cattle as they're out grazing. And if they're using a loose mineral, it's, it's an easy way to get Safeguard into these cattle. You don't feed it continuously throughout the summer. You could feed a non, non-treated mineral for about four weeks after you turn the cattle out if you've done a good job deworming them prior to turnout. Mm-hmm. And then after about four weeks of grazing on their untreated mineral, you do you know five to seven days, depending on the, the group of cattle. The bigger the set of cattle, the more days. But um, generally, most guys don't go more than seven days. But you put that safeguard treated mineral out to those cattle for that period of time after about four weeks and you'll get them cleaned out. The trick that you're trying to do there is the cattle are out picking up parasites for four weeks, and if we can treat them at four weeks, we kill those worms before they start laying eggs Mm because they have to go through a maturation process in the animal before they become egg-laying adults. So we kill all those worms before they start laying any eggs, so Mm -hmm. we've taken all those worms off the pasture, killed them, and didn't put any new eggs out. And then we can let the cattle graze for another four weeks. And depending on when we're going to leave those pastures, we can hit them again the same way. Or if we're going to be leaving soon, then we can wait until tour running them through the chute. But uh, as far as the chute side deworming, most parasitologists recommend using a product like Safeguard and one of your ivermectin-type products. There's several of them. There's porons and injectables. But using those in combination... Mm-hmm. That's a way to get around this resistance problem. Using the same dewormer every time you deworm cattle over and over and over again year after year is what's caused the resistance issue to kind of take hold and become worse every year. Most of those products are failing at a rate of 5% a year. And so the parasitologists have looked at this and, and a lot of people think, well, I'll just rotate, but that doesn't really solve the problem. You have to use a combination of two products, a a white oral dewormer like Safeguard, Mm -hmm. and then one of your ivermectin type products as a pour on or injectable at the same time. Okay. And the idea behind that is we're going to get a hundred percent kill. The cattle are going to be completely clean. So we didn't leave anything behind Mm -hmm. to become resistant. Okay. And when we're talking resistance, we're talking about those, those few parasites that survive that treatment then they proliferate their offspring. All their offspring are, are resistant right. parasites. So that's where that 5% comes in. Mm-hmm. We, we, get, we leave a few behind, but all their offspring are resistant. Okay. So we've just created a population that we're not going to kill. Some of the ivermectin products, 
were never labeled for a few of the parasites that we're seeing now because they weren't major parasites. They weren't a big problem. Mm-hmm. What we did is we remo- we removed all their competition, right, right. and those things have come back with a vengeance. And now we're seeing them, and two of them are a real concern because they're pretty nasty parasites, especially in calves. Now, with the parasites that you can put out in the mineral or you can put out as a mineral block uh, with the, uh, not the parasites, but the uh, parasite control that you can put out that way, if you're practicing multi-species grazing, you've got goats, you've got lambs or something like that out there with your cattle, can you still control parasites in that manner? We always want to follow the label. And I know the two safeguard blocks that are available are labeled for cattle only. Your veterinarian can certainly prescribe that you could use them for another species if he's Mm -hmm. confident that it'll get the job done without doing any harm to the animals. But always follow the label. I know some of the safeguard pellets are multi-species pellets. And so they're they're labeled for cattle, horses. I know there's some uh, for turkeys and the safeguard molecules used in just about every animal imaginable. Okay. Zoos use it, and some of these wildlife ranches use it too. So some of the products, usually the pellets, will have that broad label, and I know goats are on those label. We do have a safeguard for goats. It's okay. a, it's an oral product that you can give, so the, the molecule is used in goats. Now, if somebody's keeping their calves or they're finishing, you know, they're finishing steers on their property or something like that, and they're actually going to be delivering them to the butcher— Let's talk about withdrawal periods in terms of using a dewormer. So I know with Safeguard, if you give it to them orally with the drench or the paste, the withdrawal time's eight days, the meat withdrawal. And then the different feed-through products are various withdrawal times just because they're in different forms. So always read the label. The ivermectin injectable and pour-on products have longer withdrawal times. So, you know, always read your labels. Yeah. No matter what you're using, whether it's a dewormer, a vaccine, or whatever, just read those labels and and become familiar with them because it could save you a lot of heartache down the road. (laughs) Right. And there's no way for us to predict every single scenario here doing this show. So it is really important to read the label and apply it to your specific scenario. But I, I just wanted to emphasize to people that you need to watch those things if the next step on the road for this animal is slaughter. Uh, you got to pay attention to those things. Right. Yeah, whether you're consuming it yourself or it's going through a commercial facility, residues are always a concern. So just be familiar with your labels and your withdrawal times and and avoid that by all means. Well, Gene, this has been great. A wealth of information. Thank you so much for coming on today and helping us out with this. You bet. Glad to do it. Hope you'll have me back. Thank you all for joining us today. And here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald.